This is Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Let's get into it. Welcome back to The Forging Table. The mission of Undaunted Life is equipping men to push back darkness with content that forges spiritual, mental, and physical resilience. At The Forging Table, you'll see a group of regular guys forging spiritual resilience by digging into God's word, and we're welcoming all of you to come along on that journey with us. That's Zach, that's Winkler, that's Caleb. But I got a bone to pick with you guys. Uh I'm not terribly satisfied with you guys. There's something that happened when I started feeding the forging tablers. There were, there's all these weird things that come out in everyone's personality. So Ryan Horn, the horn, (laughs) the first time I threw out three options of restaurants (laughs) to do for lunch, he suggested a fourth one. (laughs) So he picked a restaurant that wasn't on the list. That was his first strike. Second strike was he then proceeded to pick something that wasn't on the menu for the restaurant that everyone decided on. Okay, so two strikes and in, in one at bat somehow. Two strikeouts and one at bat sounds somehow. Sounds like something he would do. Yeah, yeah, sounds like something obviously he would do. But then this time, I threw it out to you guys. I was like, hey guys, here's three options for lunch. Give me, give me your feedback on this and we'll just kind of go from there. <clears throat> and so this is, what, this is what I sent to you guys. I said, uh, here are your three options in no particular order. Qdoba, Jimmy John's, Papa John's. So we got different categories, right? We've got different things that we can do. You know, we're kind of meeting, meeting everybody where they're at. So Jake Winkler, you were the very first. You just said Jimmy John's. You just said, hey, this is what I want to do. Now, Caleb, you respond and say, Jimmy John's, number one, Qdoba, number two, Papa John's, number seven. <laughs> now, for those of you out there that struggle with math, I gave three options and he somehow ranked something seventh. Okay. So I knew we were off to a bad start. And then Zach, you said Qdoba one, Jimmy John's two, and then you made the category of pizza yeah, third. For sure. You didn't even say the name Papa John's. It was as if you couldn't say it. And then Jake, you decided to get in on the rank ordering <laughs> game. You go Jimmy John's one, Qdoba two, Papa John's three. So very first thing. For I'm the, a CPA, you know. Yeah, I can follow math. I understand that. And, and, and you, you can follow instructions. <laughs> what is y'all's problem? <laughs> With, Papa, with John's. Papa John's and I guess Zach with the category of pizza and I guess Caleb, what would you put at third, fourth, fifth, and sixth before Papa John's since you made your own ranking system? All what is the problem? I mean, Chick-fil-A, Kava. It's what day is today? Sorts of stuff. Sunday. Chick-fil- so Chick-fil-A is <laughs> off. Kava, what is that? I don't even know what that is. Oh, it's delicious. What is it? It's like salads. It, no, it's yeah. like, yes. it's basically like Greek yes. Chipotle. So it's like salads. It's salads. It's a good salad. But with an interesting accent. Oh, well, it can salad? be, depending on the people and what they put in the bowl. <laughs> but like, I've I, where, never had a salad at Chipotle. Where's the Jimmy John's hate coming from? Or not Jimmy John's, Papa John's hate. Where's it coming from? None Domino's is better. Pizza Hut's better. Oh, false. For sure. <laughs> okay, wait, wait, wait. All right, hold stop. On, hold on. You have to trust the fattest guy in the room. That's me. Okay. All right, so give it to us. Which one? What is? Okay, we're, everyone's going to have to answer this. We need the preeminent. You can only order from one national pizza chain, right? National. So not your little one that's mm. in the corner of your community where, you know, the guy that makes the pizza. No, no, no. If you go to a random city and you're filling pizza and you're ordering stuff to your hotel room, what's your go-to on ordering pizza? Marco's. Marco's. Is that a national chain? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they're national. And Papa okay. John's would be behind them. Okay, so Marco's and Papa John's. What about you two? Domino's. Domino's number one. Domino's is typically the number one that I hear problems with where they're just like, Domino's is so gross. And like, I've had some bad Domino's experiences before, but okay. We got Domino's, Marco's. Chipotle. Uh, Chick-fil-A. 
<laughs> he still can't guys, follow rules. Guys, this is what I deal with. If you wonder what I deal with before we start recording, it's this. It's this bigoted nonsense. So you understand the assignment. When I'm forced to eat pizza, it's Domino's. When you're forced to eat pizza, yeah, do you not like pizza? Uh, not, it's not, it doesn't agree well with me. Okay, I guess for me, if I'm doing one... Doesn't process. The only one that I like... Well, the one that I hit the most often that I get the most crap for is Pizza Hut. I love Pizza Hut. I get thin crust Canadian bacon. Thin and crispy. Like there's business. There's other... I just don't understand you guys. I just like... I I try to do something nice for you guys. And then here you go. If you're wondering, we choose Jimmy John's. I go and I put the order in. I get all the way to the end. I'm ready to pay. And then they're like, oh, this is outside of our delivery area which would have been a great thing to tell me in the app that already has my address booked into it. So then the next options I gave you were five guys, Qdoba and Buffalo Wild Wings. And then y'all couldn't help me out even here. Caleb, you go Qdoba, five guys, Buffalo Wild Wings. Jake, you go five, five guys, Buffalo Wild Wings, Qdoba. And then Zach doesn't even respond. And so at this point, I'm like, screw you guys. I should just give you tofu and cardboard, which tofu is cardboard. But I broke the tie and had we had five guys, which we actually just got done eating. And it worked so out. is everybody sat, Zach is satisfied? Is it, is it agreeing with you? It's so far. Okay. Yeah. I think what you've learned here probably is don't ask. Just decide. Just decide and send Let's you a go. link. Yeah. Just say, hey, deal with it. We, are eating, some time. we are eating the following thing today. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I will go with that. I will totally turn this into a communist takeover, like totalitarian <laughs> takeover. It's show, man. But the problem is, is every time the horn is in that group text, you know what I'm just going to tell him? I'm going to send the text to the two other people and say, Ryan, bring your own food. Okay? Because <laughs> if you're going to cause this pack many problems, yeah, seriously, pack a lunch. I don't care if you eat your, you know, ruffles right there into the microphone. I'm at least not going to have to deal with it. But- that doesn't have anything to do with the transfiguration, which is how we're going to kick off our discussion in Matthew 17 today. So guys, open up your Bibles, get ready. We're digging in to Matthew 17. So Zach, how about you lead us off? Read Matthew 17 verses 1 through 13. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. And the disciples asked him, Then why do the scribes say that the first Elijah must come? Say that first Elijah must come. He answered, Elijah does come, and he will restore all things. But I tell you that Elijah has already come, and they did not recognize him, but did to him whatever they pleased. So also the Son of Man will certainly suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was speaking to them of John the Baptist. So it's an interesting story. It's something that I don't know that I've ever seen depicted in like a movie or any type of show about Jesus's life. I remember uh, Dallas Jenkins, uh, the creator of The Chosen, got dragged a few months ago because he was, you know, asking people for stuff from the Gospels that 
they wanted to see the chosen do. And a lot of people said the transfiguration and Dallas was confused why that was so important to mm. people to see the transfiguration. And, you know, people are like, oh, you know, Dallas is the, the devil and don't watch the chosen because he doesn't understand why people like what they like. So I don't, I don't really know what that's about. But this is kind of a hard thing to to reason through and think about, like, what does it look like? I just love that Peter just keeps his dumb stuff going. He's like, this is awesome. Can we stay here? I'll build tents. And it's just like, okay, Peter. Let's we, go camping. Yeah, we, we appreciate it. Can we camp with you guys? Hey, all you guys have transfigured into kind of pseudo human beings. Let me give you this actual like dwelling that I made for you. But um, it, it's kind of a confusing thing to even talk about. And if I'm being honest, I don't even know where to start the discussion here. But the obviously when you're talking about Moses and Elijah, there's the law and the prophets. So Moses represents the law. Elijah represents the prophets. And there is a rebuke in here that Peter kind of made an error here when he put Jesus on the same plane as Moses and Elijah. And it's hard to know whether Peter did that because he was ignorant or whether Peter did that because he actually thought that they were all equal. But he did receive rebuke there. But I'm just going to open it up for, for any of you guys to talk about the transfiguration because I didn't grow up in a church that I didn't grow up in church at all, but even the church I first started going to, I don't know that we ever even talked about this because it's kind of hard to be like, and because of the transfiguration, here's how you should deal with your finances. You know, it's, it's kind of hard to draw that connection. I mean, the first thing that, that I read on this was, <clears throat> I think it was Wearsby as well that said that, and I don't, I don't remember if he actually had the Greek word in here, but he said the Greek word is translated to metamorphosis, which, which means a change from the inside out. And the example used was like a caterpillar. So it's like, not like, you know, you kind of think about when, you know, you see the Lord in his glory, it's almost like the sun shining behind him, you know, but it's more like the sun is shining from within him. Right. Which, I mean, I don't know, you know, what y'all want to say about that as well, but I I just, just that picture um, is incredible. Um, And then, I mean, obviously you got to love Peter for being like, Hey, that was cool. Here's what I'm going to do. Right. <laughs> Let's set up our own Barnum and Bailey circus. I got type this of thing. No, I, I mean, I wrote down what Jesus was within is now made visible without. I mean, it, it's, you know, he, he's always been this. He's always been God on earth. Um, but now he's actually showing that, showing it to uh, the disciples. Uh, so it's a much more tangible, you know, and kind of going back to the last episode, the, the idea of like, you know, what do you need to see? Um, what do you need to see for you to believe? And it's like, this is something where it's like, okay, obviously the disciples were, they believed, but this was like smack you in the face. Like it's me. I am that I am. And so I do think it's, um, you know, how fortunate I would actually say the disciples and, and, you know, Peter, I mean, how, how fortunate they were to actually see this uh, and witness this because if there was ever any doubt, it erased all of it. I, I keep trying to figure out what, what could it have looked like? Because like, l- let me put on my Dallas Jenkins shoes. Like, how do you show that? Mm-hmm. Because I was so pumped because I knew the end of the third season that they were going to end with Jesus walking on water. And it's like, how in the world are they going to depict this? And I thought that they nailed it. Personally, I thought that it was, it was incredibly dramatic. Um, it was traumatic for the people filming it because like, it was, it was kind of sketchy when you watch some of the behind the scenes stuff. Like it was very difficult what they were doing. And every time I had seen Jesus walking on water depicted, 
it was always kind of serene and Jesus is just kind of easily walking on top of it. And it's like he's subduing with each step, but the chosen showed it like, no, he's walking on uneven water. Mm -hmm. Right. And so he's stepping up and then stepping down and he's, he's on top of the water, but he's still having to like keep his balance and those yeah. types of things. And so I just don't know what would be pleasing for me to see this. Cause I mean, you guys have all read novels that have been turned into books and then you're either disappointed or excited with the rendition that that's, that's given to you. But it's like, you know, what would have made you more satisfied? Like what, what could they have shown and in what way to, to have made it better? Did you see the Christmas episode they did? Yeah. That was like a combination of a bunch of uh, clips from the show that they turned into a Christmas special thing. Yeah. And there was a part of it where they, I think it was an angel had appeared mm -hmm. as the three wise men were walking, I believe that's right. Um, but effectively it was just overwhelming light and yeah. you see them cowering. Mm. For me, I think that's almost, uh, you know, just as potent as anything else. I would rather leave it to the imagination. I don't think you'll do any justice um, with something like this, but you know, I think the way I think about it is obviously all the things you guys mentioned, but also just, um, um, thinking about where we're headed, you know, eventually, and, uh, just kind of a taste of, of what it might be like to, to see that. And then also you've got the promise of having a glorified body yourself. Mm. Uh, and the fact that you've got, you know, uh, Moses and Elijah there with him having this conversation. It's one of the few times in the Bible where we kind of get a peek behind the curtain of some things that are happening. And, uh, they were clearly recognizable, um, by the, by the, you know, the mortals or the, uh, excuse me, the humans that were standing next to him. So I don't know. I thought it was really interesting. The other thing was just like what Wearsby said here is the transfiguration was God's way of teaching Peter that Jesus is glorified when we deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow him. So rather than the world's philosophy of save yourself, the Christian philosophy is yield yourself to God. Well, and I think the other, at this point, I mean, God reveals himself on earth as Jesus. At this point, you have to re-examine all of your worldview, all of it. You can't just go, well, like, you know, there's no more religious pluralism. Like, well, there's many paths to get to heaven. You know, there's many things that you can do to be pleasing God. I can be kind and make it to heaven. No, Jesus told you how to make it, and he literally revealed himself to be God on earth. Like, that's him. Or the uh, scientific materialism, like as an explanation to life and reality apart from God. It's like, well, we just kind of, you know, grew out of nothing. No, 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 no. God's here. He showed himself. He's telling you, this is who I was. And then he wrote all this other stuff. And Jesus has been quoting the Old Testament about this over and over and over again. Do you think he just is ignoring what happened in Genesis and how the, how the world was created? Or the, uh, I think this was one that, there was one, let's see, no Marxist uh, dialectal or historical materialism that accounts for the progress of history through class struggle. And there's no social objectivism that elevates the individual whose egoism and genius prevail over altruism, social conformism, and sacrifice for others. It's a complete reexamination. You cannot, it's like, there's, there's so many extremes here at work and so many different viewpoints. And I'm over here going, yeah, I, as I'm reading this, I'm going, well, if Jesus, like, if you believe who Jesus is, who he says he is, and then he reveals himself to the disciples that that is who he is, why are we deviating from what he said? Yeah, that's, that's one thing I've engaged with is, you know, once you get to that fact that Christ was who he said he was, mm -hmm. then everything that's written here, whether you agree with it or not, is truth. That's it. Period. 
And that can be a hard thing to do, especially in today's world. It's, you know, countercultural and all that, mm-hmm. but that's, that's what we have to deal with. And it can be hard, especially when you're talking about things like homosexuality and all that stuff, you know, we just kind of have to deal with it. Absolutely. Well, let's go to the next section here. Uh, Winkler, if you can hit verse 14 and read through verse 20. <clears throat> and I think I mentioned last week or the week before, uh, I, I alluded to verse 21 or 22 missing. That's actually in this chapter. We don't have to get into to why some of those transcripts are missing verse 21, but like in the ESV, it goes 14 through 20 and then skips right to 22. But mm-hmm. it's because 21 wasn't in a lot of the most reliable transcripts, blah, blah, Not a huge deal. Uh, 14 through 20, please. And when they came to the crowd, a man came up to him and kneeling before him said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he has seizures and he suffers terribly. For often he falls into the fire and often into the water. I brought him to your disciples and they could not heal him. And Jesus answered, O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him. And the boy was healed instantly. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? He said to them, Because of your little faith. For truly I say to you, If you have faith like a grain of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. So obviously, I know we keep beating this drum, but I think we should continue to beat this drum. If you read the gospel accounts with no personality, Jesus will seem as if he has no personality. Again, shout out to A Beautiful Outlaw by John Eldridge. That's a book where he basically broke down different stories from the Gospels and brought out different personality traits of Jesus. It was the first time I started reading the Gospel with personality, with a little bit of, you know, vigor, with a little bit of energy. And we get that here because, again, just just imagine reading it. I know we've done this in previous weeks, but just imagine reading this. Oh, faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him here to me. Do you honestly think that's how he said this? Mm -hmm. Within this context, which, again, text without context is just text. Within this context, this is exasperation period. Mm -hmm. This is all the way up to righteous anger, like dummies. How many times have you seen me do this? Like how many times do I have to explain it to you in parable or in clear words that this is what's happening? And how many times do you, do I have to tell you exactly what you need to do? And then you keep doing this. Like Jesus is literally like, so in this situation, we have a father and a son you know, with, with, you know, kid that has a demon, but Jesus is like parenting all these little idiot apostles to where it's just like, dude, God, like pick up the thread at some point. Mm -hmm. That's right, Kyle. I agree (laughs) with you. That's a great job, man. You totally summed that up right there. I have nothing else to add. Now that would have been a great thing to hear right after that, as opposed to radio silence, which is uh, dead air. It's just my favorite. Does anybody have anything to add to that? There's your transition (laughs) setup. That's what I was going to ask, but you pretty much answered my question. Was okay. just that, I, that, like, who all is he talking to there? You know, is it just is it just the disciples? In y'all's opinion, no, no, it's anyone just that's an earshot. Everybody yeah. at okay. that point. And yeah, I will. I will add the mustard seed discussion here that he's talking about. I, 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 I love. I mean, I was when I was reading this, I was like, okay, I, I, let me. I want to dig in on this a little bit because I've never quite understood. What exactly are you saying here? And what he's saying, I mean, in the way I was reading it is his, the, the quantity of your faith is less important than the effectiveness of it. And I'll clarify. I think every guy sitting at this table spends a lot of time in the word. We believe 
we pray, we, you know, try and walk a path with Christ as much as we possibly can. And I would imagine that we may ask God for some things, but we are not true. I mean, when you pray, are you truly asking him or are you kind of just going like, how much do we go through the motions? And it's like, am I a faithful person? Yeah, I do a lot of things. I go to church every Sunday and I do all these things, but I don't know that like how effective is it? And then I start looking at someone who maybe is recovering from addiction and is battling this enormous demon. And they say like, they know there's only one place for them to turn in desperation. And it's like, I can't go through recovery without Christ. You see like the people who are in prison, who it's like they're, their faith is maybe this big when they first come in, but they know there's only one choice that they have for redemption, and that's Jesus. And so to me, whenever I hear this, I'm going, yeah, there's a reason that those prayers of please get me away from this addiction work. And there's a reason that maybe some of our prayers don't. And Go ahead, Zach. Well, so a couple of things. One would be, um, I, I struggle with that a little bit. You know, in one sense, it's like, you know, you want to be thankful for everything that you're given when you compare yourself to somebody in those circumstances at the same time, probably more is expected, you know, so you have to take what, you, what you've got and run with it and, and do as much as you can. I uh, read a couple of commentaries and one just said that, you know, these guys may have been jealous of the fact that they didn't get to go up the mountain and not necessarily, uh, they could have been neglecting prayer and other things. And so when this emergency pops up, like Samson, their strength was gone because they weren't in the word. Uh, I thought that was pretty interesting. This is just a side comment, and I've thought about this a couple times since you've mentioned it. That book that you're talking about, I read about half of it, and I kind of stopped because I wasn't sure how I felt about Eldridge assigning so many of his thoughts, potentially, to Jesus in that perspective. Like I remember specifically the one about a bird hitting a window and then the family laughing because it was all timely and all this, and that very well could be. But at a certain point, it's like, I, I want to think, think real clearly about what am I assigning to Christ that may not have existed? So I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, specifically my thoughts is, <clears throat> so here I am speaking for John Eldridge. Uh, he's not giving me authority to do that. So <laughs> here we go. Three, two, one. <clears throat> I don't think his point is to say, this is how I know Jesus reacted. It's more so, this is a way he could have reacted. And so this is like a depiction of what we see in scripture. And so I think he knows what the default mechanism is for most people when they're reading scripture and it's black and white, no personality. Mm -hmm. And so he's infusing some of that thought pattern into the text without transforming what the text is trying to communicate. And so where I would say a book like that could go completely off the rails is if he started assigning personality, motive, and direction to a particular text, which again, I haven't read in a few years, but I didn't get that at all. There were some places where I was like, yeah, I don't know that that right. wouldn't really make sense for those people to react that way, but could they have? Yes. It's completely plausible that they would have reacted in that way. So that's how I would treat a book like that. If you treat that book as, as scripture, like as the gospel on the gospel, that's, that's dangerous, but I don't think that was his point. Kind of like yeah. the chosen. Exactly like the chosen yeah. or yeah. the passion of the Christ or any of those types of things. It's like, this is a depiction of how we think this would look like, how, what we can get past, uh, you know, the ratings agencies that, you know, are going to put a rating on this thing or that are going to put it on their streaming platform. Mm-hmm. It's, it's that exact type of scenario. And so 
it's those people that get so up in arms at the passion of the Christ or the chosen, like you're not supposed to do this and you don't know what kind of conversations they had. And that wasn't that exact word was not in the Bible. We don't know that they said that it's, but they're not changing core elements of what the message was. Right. Okay. It, you know, they're still going to, in this season, they're going to bring Lazarus out, out of the tomb. They're going to bring him out. Right but they're not bringing Larry and Lazarus like they're bringing <laughs> Lazarus out. So if they fundamentally change, so people that are like weary of the chosen and oh, aren't Mormons giving money to this thing and all that. Yes. If in the, the season where Jesus dies, if he goes and gets his own planet with a bunch of other people or whatever, like Mormons believe, yes, I'm with you, but it's only if they change the fundamental direction of the message that I have concerns. I'm not, I'm not concerned at all with them giving personality to the character. Yeah. character or the person from history rather. No, I appreciate that. Some of it's really compelling. I remember the, the one where he's talking about Jesus is sitting there and he started the fire and started cooking the fish. And you know, in the beginning he, he wasn't really recognizable and that he may have been kind of messing with him and all that. But you know, that's a, that's a really uh, compelling picture of him sitting there waiting patiently for you to come and have a meal that's been prepared in a very personal and intimate way. So yeah, thanks for answering that. That's how that's how Dallas Jenkins has described it too in all those interviews. You know, it's like, is it plausible? Is it in keeping with everything we know about scripture? So I mean there is I know you've heard from a lot of them, Kyle, but there is a lot of people that get all worked up about stuff that is small. Well that and that's fine, and I'm okay with people expressing their preferences, but it's these people that make these big broad statements like the chosen is bad because it's not scriptural. It's like, okay. Are you the person that ruins, again, I mentioned, you know, a, a, a novel that's been turned into a movie. Well, that didn't happen in the book. Well, who, who is saying that it has to be? Like, why did you expect them to do a page by page, like depiction of exactly what we see in scripture mm-hmm. that you don't read Matthew as a narrative, really? Like some of these stories go from here to there and it doesn't really make sure why. And guess what? No one's going to watch that. And I think what Dallas and the rest of the team of the chosen is trying to do is they're trying to put the gospel out there for people to put their faith in and accept. And so far, three seasons in, I don't think there's anything that I see in the chosen that would point someone to a false gospel. I'd be way more worried about the church that they're going to with the pastor that is giving them a false version of the gospel where, hey, raise your hand at the end of the concert TED Talk combo, and then you're going to be saved and good to go without repentance or heart change. Like, that's mm. what I'm more concerned about. I'm not concerned about how things are depicted on camera. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't bother me at all. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's hit this next section here. Uh, who read? Okay, Caleb, you're in. So we're going to do verses 14 through, nope, we just did that, didn't we? Yep. All right, yeah, just do uh, 22. <laughs> you get to read 22. two verses, okay, from that little bitty Bible. Okay, so go ahead and hit it. I think I can make that work. All right, and while they were, and while they were gathering together in Galilee, Jesus said to them, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him and he will be raised on the third day. And they were deeply grieved. Deeply grieved. That's what the NASB says. ESV says greatly distressed. So this does not mean they heard it and were confused. Mm-mm. Disciples, apostles did a lot of that. They heard something like, huh? They, you know, it wasn't like a parable where they had no idea what Jesus was getting at. They knew exactly what he meant. It was communicated clearly, and they were greatly distressed. Guys, think about the last time that you were greatly distressed. Not mildly peeved but greatly distressed. The thing that doesn't make sense to me with this guys was, and yet they weren't looking for Jesus to raise from the dead. So Jesus says, the son of man is about to be delivered into the hands of men. I don't think that they believe that, but somehow they were greatly distressed by that message and they will kill him. 
I don't think they believed that, but somehow they were distressed by the message. And he will be raised on the third day. You can pretty much tell they didn't hear that part because they were greatly distressed. Right. And so when Jesus was delivered and killed, they weren't looking for him. I don't Mm. get it. Make it make sense. Right. Uh, I mean, it, well, in one way you think about just going back to even the transfiguration, you look at, uh, what, what did God say? This is my son who I'm well pleased. And then he ends it with listen to him. And they still don't over and over again. It's, you know, uh, even going back to the bread, you know, the, the loaves when they where they're feeding the Gentiles, it's like, we've done this before we've been through here and you're still worried about, do we have bread? And it's like, we didn't have enough bread last time. And the Lord provided there's, I think it's more of a, they're distressed because they're still not listening. It's like, how many times do we need to get hit over the head by, you know, by in our daily life? How many times do we have to get hit over our head before we start listening and doing what he says? And then understanding that, yes, like we are not going to go through life without any sort of complications or hardships as a result of walking with Christ. That's not going to happen. It is going to, you are going to experience those things. But at the same time, when you experience those things, if you are truly walking with Christ, you will not be distressed in those moments. You will actually take great joy in it. I think also you're, I mean, if you, if we put ourselves in their shoes, right, they've been part of his ministry for what, two years now, some of them, you know, two and a half years. And they're, they're thinking of themselves. I mean, they're like, I've, I've given my life to this. Like I'm seeing the most amazing things I've ever seen. You know, I'm walking with Jesus and he's about to get taken away from me. So this, they're not, I mean, like you said, they're not hearing the last part of that for sure, but they're also just thinking about what am I going to do after that? (laughs) That's where my mind went. I mean, if you really like, that's one thing the chosen does well. And some of these other commentaries put you in, in, in that place. They're dealing with difficult, life-threatening situations in many cases. And this is the leader, right? From a human perspective. And as soon as he's gone, I mean, I'm trying to think what a modern day person would be an example. Um, You know, you're instantly in, in a lot of trouble, right? So they don't want to believe it potentially in the midst of all of these overwhelming um, proofs. They still don't want to listen. And how does that apply to us today? I think the modern equivalent would literally be, I mean, think about how people are reacting to, you know, post elections, whenever your favorite candidate does not actually, you know, we hear all these alarming. I mean, I remember my wife after Biden got elected. I mean, she was just like distraught. She's like, it's going to, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. And I said, it's probably not. It's, you know, look, it's not going to be great. There's going to be a lot of things that we don't like that are going to happen. But, you know, in two years, he probably won't be able to do a lot of this anymore, which has been the case. Right. So it, I mean, your modern day equivalent of like, why, when do I get distressed? It's like, well, I, I, you know, this per, I think this person should lead us and not everybody else did. Well, I think it's because this is kind of a, a macabre example of something like this, but I think about how high minded nuanced thinkers think <laughs> about Hamas. Yeah. And you know what? Hamas doesn't want to kill every Jew and every American on the planet. They don't want to do that. You know what they want? They want better schools. It's just in their charter. They want better, they want better roads. They want more economic and educational opportunities. That's what they really want. It's like, 
How about you take them at their word? Yeah. They want the destruction of not only the state of Israel, but every single Jew. When people say from the river to the sea, the next questions that you need to ask is which river and which sea, because they mean the Jordan and the Mediterranean. What's in between that? About 7 million Jews. Yeah. Yep. And they're not like, hey, we just want the land and y'all can stay here. It's like, no, we want the land and we want your blood. Okay? Mm-hmm. Believe them. In this particular scenario, Jesus is like, take me at my word. And the disciples are like, no, I've got my own frame. I got, I got my own frame of reference. I've got my own Overton window. And I'm just going to kind of put you in my accepted version about what's happening. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's shocking that they get to the resurrection and none of them are expectant. Yeah. We have nothing from scripture that gives us any indication that they were expectant of a resurrection, which again <clears throat> points to the incredible nature of the reaction of the disciples after the resurrection. I was thinking before we started recording today, I was like, what are the reasons why I believe, you know, in this whole thing? And the main reason I believe is because of the resurrection and specifically because of the first century church, because the first century church was full of people that saw a resurrected Jesus. They weren't just told about it because 2000 years ago, we didn't see it with our own eyes. We just believe it based right. on evidence or based on faith or based on both, whatever. Right. But that's, that's the difference of kind of where we're, we're finding ourselves in, in this continuum is, is, you know, where you find your faith and what you're putting it in. And for me, it's, it's in the resurrection. And it's like, because there wasn't one disciple that was like, guys, but remember what he said? Remember he said this was going to happen. Remember him talking about Jonah all the time? That stupid dude and the dumb whale. But yeah. Like guys just hold up. Like just batting down the hatchets for 72 hours. We're going to be squared away. No one did it. They weren't looking for it. Uh, let's wrap up Matthew 17 and we're going to have the CPA in front of us read about the temple tax. So uh, Winkler, if you will go to 24 all the way through the end, which is uh, 27. You got it. When they came to Capernaum, the collectors of the two drachma tax went up to Peter and said, does your teacher not pay the tax? He said, yes. And when he came into the house, Jesus spoke to him first saying, what do you think, Simon? From whom do kings of the earth take toll or tax, from their sons or from others? And when he said, from others, Jesus said to him, then the sons are free. However, not to give offense to them, go to the sea and cast a hook and take the first fish that comes up. And when you open its mouth, you will find a shekel. Take that and give it to them for me and for yourself. I would like to report that I've tried this. Didn't work. Okay. So when you go bass fishing in a pond or something like that, I haven't done a lot of fishing in my life. Never found anything. That, a lot of times I don't even find my hook in their mouth or like the, you know, there's nothing there anymore. The minnow's gone. The worm's gone. But the thing I really want to talk about here is Jesus could have stood on principle, said, Hey guys, yeah, tax and all that. I'm God though. Like God in a bod. So I don't need to do this. This was like, this is not a hill to die on, but Hey, watch this. Like, you know, I'm going to teach you a lesson while doing something that I don't have to do. And mm-hmm. so I thought that that's just interesting. Like he did it just to not be offensive and just not to create waves. Cause he didn't have to in the particular scenario. I think this is one of those things we talk about Jesus's personality that this would be really funny. Yeah. You know, yeah. that he's like kind of leaning back and he's like, what do you think, Simon? Yeah. Yeah. He's like, about where, where do you think I should put that shekel? He's like, is it behind your ear? <laughs> nope. Right. It's in a fish. He goes David Blaine on him. Yeah. You know? I mean, I really think this is this is just funny, but um and he and he puts it in a fish, right? And one thing that was interesting that I read was that this is the only miracle that involved money 
that he performed to meet his own needs mm. that used one fish and the, that does not have the res- results recorded. Right. Interesting. Well, and another thing, they had other financial issues come up in the ministry, like, you know, with the feeding of the 5,000, yeah. like that was kind of a money, it was a money and materials problem. And so Jesus, you know, fixed the materials problem, but like he could have made a financial thing like here, here's a Tesla and here's all this money. You're going to buzz over to these other towns and you're going to buy food and then come on back. And then the poof, the Tesla, Tesla will disappear for 2000 years and then we'll be all squared away. And he, but he didn't do that. So yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about that before. Caleb. What do you mean by there's no, re, no results recorded? Uh, just in that he didn't say, and then Peter went, caught the fish and behold, uh, there was a shekel and he okay. paid. I got you. Mm-hmm. So we assume it happened. Yeah, right. The way it happened. right. Or maybe Jesus did that just as a nice little funny joke for himself. I don't know. Maybe but he was <laughs> just like, I'm just kidding. Here's a shekel. <laughs> he just pulls it out of his pocket. I, got it right here. I had it the whole time. <laughs> I've been looking inside the fish mouths. I'm like, I don't know. How, for, for hours, I can't find one. Oh, that would be funny. <laughs> Wearsby takes another route on this too. And he says, God gave Adam and Eve dominion over nature. And this included the fish in the sea. Human beings lost this dominion because of sin, so Peter was not able to command the fish to give him the money. Jesus Christ exercised dominion over not only the fish, but also over the animals and the birds. What Adam lost because of his disobedience, <coughs> Jesus Christ regained because of his obedience. When I read that, I thought it was interesting. I was thinking back through what C.S. Lewis would talk about, which is kind of if you find in you things that can't be satisfied on this earth, you know, certain desires. Um, it may mean that you're made for, you know, a, another place kind of a deal. How many movies and depictions are there of these kind of supernatural interactions with animals and all of that stuff that seemed to be prevalent in people's minds? Cause they're everywhere. You know, this is saying, I guess at one point that there was at least some different type of interaction between humans, I guess, in creation. I think so. Good and stuff. next. Yeah. Right? Doesn't we it agree. suck when you say something and you're like, surely someone else is going to respond to that because it's a good point. Doesn't it suck when there's dead air yeah. after you get done talking? It it's the most uncomfortable really thing. Think. Yeah. It makes me think of literally when politicians, they literally have a speechwriter write yeah. either an applause line or a laugh line and they, they don't, don't get, get it. it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's the most Jeb Bush thing I, that could ever happen. My mind was buffering. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, Especially when we're talking about talking animals, right? Yeah. Right. right. You're looking at four of them right now. But hey, <laughs> we're we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna put a bow on Matthew eighteen there be or Matthew seventeen because next week we're gonna come into Matthew eighteen and there's a whole lot to discuss on eighteen so we'll cut off a little bit on this one and add it to the next episode so guys make sure you are ready and read up through Matthew eighteen for next week but before we let you go we are gonna do a quick resilience boost at Undaunted Life our mission is equipping men to push back darkness with content that forges spiritual mental and physical resilience so I'm gonna go ahead and describe some of the stuff that's in the show notes so I didn't talk about it during the episode so I'll talk about it now. The forging table starter set. A lot of you guys are starting your own forging tables. You're wondering what types of content should I have? We partnered with Crossway to give you a gaggle of books so that you can get started and get fired off. So here are the books. The ESV Men's Study Bible new this year. The Book of Romans Scripture Journal Study Edition. So it's like a fancier edition of what we have in front of us right now. Also a devotional from Paul David Tripp called New Morning Mercies. A book by Douglas O'Donnell that really breaks down the different genres of writings inside the Bible. That's the beauty and power of biblical exposition. And then a book by the great Vody Bauckham called Family Shepherd. So guys, the only place that you can get all all five of those together at a tremendous discount is if you go to the Crossway website. So the discount is 50% off. And I'll tell you how you can get that. Basically what you do is you go to the Crossway website 
and then you're going to start your own uh cross sorry like messed up my notes here all right so you're going to do a uh crossway plus membership you start that up it's completely free so you'll set up that account then you're going to put all five of those books in your cart and then you're going to go to your your cart and you're going to put in this code at checkout bssp50 to get 50 percent off that stack that's bravo sierra sierra papa five zero to get a 50 percent off discount on that stack of amazing books so make sure you guys check that out it's all here in the show notes and also i've got a link to our donation page so guys if you're wondering how we can pull this off how we have microphones in front of us right now how we're able to upload this to the to the internet and with electricity and all this other stuff it's because we can pay our bills and we can't pay our bills with hopes and dreams we have to have cheddar and so guys if you want to hop in and be a part of what we're doing here one way to do that is to become a monthly donor we don't care it could be five bucks a month 25 bucks a month 100 bucks a month whatever you can spare in this time to help us to equip men to push back darkness we would ask you to do that so the link here is in the show notes Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. Wherever you're listening to this, please subscribe, rate, and leave us a positive five-star review. If you want me to come speak live at your event or on your podcast, just shoot me an email to info at undaunted.life. That's I-N-F-O at undaunted.life. Follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook and check out our website for everything else, including how to donate to keep more content like this coming your way. Just go to www.undaunted.life. And also, we want to thank the band Holy Name for allowing us to use their music for our content. The music on this podcast is their song, Per. Perpetua, which is off their self-titled debut album on Facedown Records. The links are in the description. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Remember, keep pushing back darkness, keep forging spiritual, mental, and physical resilience, keep seeking the Lion of Judah. <laughs>